Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And now it's my great pleasure to invite uh, a very good friend, Pastor Hood, up to share with us. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Let me take this off. Sorry, I have never had to put my ears to this much use before. I'm holding a microphone and my glasses and a face mask, but I'll rest them later. Um, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And thank you for having me. I, I am thrilled to be out among people. Um, you know, the last, most of June or July, most of July, my wife and I, uh, we decided if, if all I'm going to do is Zoom on meetings, I don't have to do that from the same place. So we spent most of July in Montana, out in the woods, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and, and in Montana right now, the total number of COVID cases like for eternity, is less than Los Angeles County has in a day. So it was a very different experience being out there in the woods. And, and it's a place I grew up going to every summer. We have a family cabin. I love hanging out there. And, and on the way up, I was telling my wife one of the stories from when I was a kid. My dad and my two uncles decided that they were going to take my brother and I and all our cousins on a fishing trip. We were going to hike in to Lake Mary Ronan, which was a bit of a hike up into the mountains there. And, and one of my uncles said, you know what we're going to do also? We're going to hike up into this, into this lake and we are going to catch our lunch and then we're going to hike back out. We don't need anything else. We're just, we're just going to catch our lunch. We're going to cook it there and eat it there and come back out. And so we hiked and we hiked. And when I was, I probably was eight, that hike seemed like it took forever. And we got up there and we fished and we fished and nobody caught anything. And so my cousins and I, we were all starving and tired and, and we thought we were never going to make it back to our cabin. And, and we didn't bring anything really. There, there was just a few things. And so one of the uncles said, hey, tell you what, what do we have? And we had been fishing using Wonder Bread as our bait. So you take a little bit of bread off, you ball it up, you put it on the hook and, and that's how you fish. And maybe that's why we didn't catch many fish. Um, so we had, we had the leftover Wonder Bread and my dad said, oh, I actually have in, in, in my pack, I have a couple old cans of sardines. And when you are 10, you don't think about eating canned sardines that often. But on that day, we're in the middle of a chaotic situation. We have the cousins thinking we're never going to make it home. We have, we have not brought food or caught food. We just have the leftover Wonder Bread and those, those two cans of sardines. And we made sandwiches out of that. It was a creative solution um, to a chaotic situation. And, and surprisingly, in my memory, those were the most delicious sandwiches we ever ate. I would never choose to eat one again, but at the time, it was great. And, and that, that creative solution to a chaotic situation brought hope to those of us who are up there. And that brings us to our, to our Bible story for today. It's Jesus feeding the 5,000. Let me read this to you. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot to the towns, or from the towns. 
And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Why don't you send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy themselves some food? And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Well, the disciple said, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus said, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down in the grass and taking five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men in addition to the women and children. Now I see this story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people as one of, one of his very creative acts. And yes, it shows Jesus' power, but it shows him using the things he has on hand. It's almost MacGyver style, the way he comes up with food for this crowd. You know, there's this kind of chaos that's swirling around him. There are 5,000 people sitting out in the sun, and no one was smart enough to pack a picnic. Kind of like today. Uh, sitting out in the sun, 5,000 people, including you online, getting us to that number. And, and the disciples are panicking. They want Jesus to send the people away. Hopefully they're going to go away. They're going to find a McDonald's or a Raising Cane's or something nearby. And Jesus said, no, I came here to care for these people. Tell me what we have. He doesn't want them to be hungry and hurting. He loves them and he wants to move the people towards hope. Now, even Satan knows that if Jesus wanted to, he could have just turned all of the rocks into bread. But Jesus asks his disciples, what do we have to work with? And then in the confines of that list, the creator of the universe finds a creative way to feed his creation. Now, let me tell you a little more about this Montana trip. It was just a couple of days ago. We went on a hike. We, took, we went to a ski resort that was, that was at the top of one of the tallest mountains. We took the lift to the top. We were 7,000 feet above sea level. We were at the Continental Divide. We had Glacier Park to our left, one of the great national parks. We had Flathead Lake spread out in front of us, one of the largest freshwater lakes in the country. And then every few hundred feet as we came down that mountain, the nature we walked through would change. We would go through these different new biomes. And when we got to the bottom, a couple days later, we get in the car and we come driving home. And on I-15, we are skirting by Yellowstone Park and Zion and the Grand Canyon. We're driving through prairies and plains and deserts. We're driving through canyon land and we end up here at the ocean, 7,000 feet later. And seeing all of this, kind of brought me back to the beginning, to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is how begins what I think is the first and greatest creative act. Now, when Genesis 1 tells us that the earth was formless and void, the original language there was tohu wabohu, 
And tohu wabohu doesn't necessarily mean formless and void. It doesn't mean nothing. It means that there was chaos. There was chaos and there was no rhyme or reason as to how to put this together. Now in this chaos, God says, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and he called the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. And then God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above the vault. And it was so, and God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so, and God called the dry ground land and he gathered the waters and he called them the seas and God saw that it was good. The first thing that God does amid this chaos is establish boundaries. Separate the light from the dark and we get night and day. Separate the water from above and the water below and we get the earth and the sky. Separate the land from the water, we get the land and the sea. And then we look at that and say, what can we do with what we have now? What is this MacGyver creativity that can be done? You know, the first three days of creation were spent boundary defining. The Spirit of God had hovered and brooded over the chaos, and I'm sure that God knew everything about the chaos. And within that chaos, he sought out the boundaries, the edges, the definition of what he had to work with. And once he knew that he had sky and land and sea, the next three days were spent creatively populating those spaces. If you're creating sky, well, things will need to fly or they will need to be lighter than air. And if you're making sea things, well, they will need to breathe underwater and move in the currents. And if you're making things that, that live on land, they will have a very different set of rules to live by than the other areas. And these boundaries, they did not stifle the creativity. The boundaries unleashed the creativity. Creativity here is really about taking chaos and moving it into order. Which gets us to today. We're, we're living in a time of tohu wabohu, of chaos and disorder. We look around at the chaos today with the global pandemic, with economic shutdowns, with sheltering at home, serious racial strife, protests that can turn violent, distrust of authority, presidential elections that are shoving our communities even further apart. What are the boundaries that we need to be aware of in times like these so that we can creatively respond with hope? Well, for me, it takes us back to Matthew. Matthew's where we started, and Matthew's where we go back. In chapter 22, the Pharisees asked Jesus, one of them, who was an expert of the law, gave him this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
Today, the, the big question I have is how does the church respond in times of chaos like we have today? And how do we individually respond to this type of chaos? Now, I think we need to hold on to that Genesis 1 story as the setup, because at the end of it, God says, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness. God saw all that he had created and made, and it was very good. We are the very good creation of God. We are made in the likeness of God. The, the creative creator created us to be as creative as he is. So what can we do to creatively move the needle just a degree away from chaos and closer to hope? Well, Jesus showed us those boundaries that we play inside. Love God and love each other. Now, it's, it doesn't have to be that broad. Paul gives us some specific definitions of what that actually looks like. He wrote this in his first letter to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says love looks like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. These are the boundaries that we have to work within. Are those the guidelines that inform your social media posts? Do we rejoice in the truth? Do we dishonor others? Are these the tips that help us when we walk through a grocery store and encounter other people? Do we protect and trust and hope? Is this our posture when we face someone who has a different opinion than our own? Do we avoid envy and pride and anger? If we believe what Jesus teaches us and we're not living our life in this way, then we are not being the creative creation God intended us to be. We are not moving from chaos to hope. More than likely, we are moving the world around us away from God's very good creation and back into chaos. And so be it. Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day to, to come together and sit in the grass together with you at the center. Thank you for all that you have done for us, all that you have taught us. Thank you for living and loving and dying and rising so that we can move closer to you, so that we may be redeemed and restored and renewed. Help us to follow your example, to learn how to creatively deal with any situation 
based on what you have given us. And today, help us remember that you loved us first. You gave us that love so that we could love others. Help us in times of chaos to use that love to move those around us closer to you. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.